Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to go somewhere totally different than where I was headed today. Um, I kind of got a couple of several things that I'd worked on. They may make their way. I don't know. Got one on the history of uh, kind of uh, Israel and paralleling it with the history of going on today a little more um, that, that God wanted to, uh, I felt like, speak a, a couple of weeks ago. And then I, was, I had a companion to last week's message on the New Covenant had one on by grace through faith, and uh, really thought that was the message I was going to bring this morning. And then uh, one last message I had was on that I really, really, really thought I was going to bring about the cross, uh, about about bearing and carrying our cross. And uh, and I, I think that message will definitely preach soon. And uh, uh, but man, I, like I said after last night, we were we we were just we were just just hit blindsided and went to the. Uh, emergency room and stayed there throughout wee hours and I got home and man I, I we slept for a couple hours and then it was just uh when I got up man I was just my mind was a hundred million things and I was like God I, I can't I can't put this together it was a little deeper I can't go there and uh I, but I but I feel like I do have something from the Lord this morning that he wants to speak to us and I feel like as much for the people in this room is for for the people on camera and it's set free from the fear of death, set fear from the fear of de- free from the fear of death. And so let me pray. And uh, if you got your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews two, uh, verse nine, and we're going to read down through about verse fifteen. So, uh, it's more of an evangelistic type message. Uh, it's just going to be more straight to the point. But uh, I believe it's something that God wants to speak to us and to speak to a lot of people online. And just in light of what we're seeing, what we're seeing around the world and just seeing in our homes and our families and our lives, the shaking of the last several years that we're experiencing. And uh, I think God wants to, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to, to help some of us today to, to find our, uh, uh, to find, be set free from some fear and some fear of one of the most fearful things in the world, and that is the fear of death. So let's pray. Father, we love you, and again, we thank you so much, God, uh, for your precious word, God. There's so many things you want to speak to us, God, and Lord, I just pray that, God, that uh, I would get out of the way. God, I pray that uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying the things I'm saying to try to, to try to, I've done that in the past, to try to get pity or, or whatever. It's not a pity thing. God, you know my heart. It's just been, it's just been a, a, I don't know why this death has really affected me in a different way. And uh, Father, uh, I, I'm happy for Jonathan, but my heart is just sad and heavy for, uh, for, for Amber. We just all caught off, all caught off guard. And Lord, uh, just, just, uh, just the things we're experiencing here are heavy. But God, I, I read the scriptures and Lord, uh, there you are. There you are with visiting a, 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 a Lazarus, a Mary and Martha at the death of a Lazarus and weeping, God. There you are, God, uh, as a funeral procession passes by of a widow's son. And Lord, you're, 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 you're moved with compassion. There you are, uh, God, uh, with, with at, 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 tasting death for us yourself, God. And it's just, you're such an amazing God that would come down and be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, God. I'm not sitting here praying to a God that, that's some high and lofty place where he's never, never experienced what we 
we at spirits last night. God, that, that's not the kind of God you are. You, you, you walked this earth. You, you bled. You, you, you felt the pain, God. You experienced the, the, the mental tor- torment. You experienced the, 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 the hell that we sometimes go through, God, on this earth, God. And I'm so grateful that you tasted that. And not only tasted it, but brought a remedy to it, God. You brought hope to it, God. And Lord, that's what I pray today, that somehow, God, people that are watching today will find the same hope that I have found in Jesus Christ, God, and that their lives will be forever changed, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Since since, uh, the last couple of years, man, uh, in COVID, I I was just jotting down, and I know there's far more than this. Like I said, uh, it's just like sometimes in the weeks now, and I know you're experiencing this in your lives as well, sometimes what a week holds can be unbelievable. What we're experiencing on the jobs, what we're experiencing with connections of friends and people uh, that we work with, what their lives are going through, what we're all going through, and it can just be overwhelming. It can be heavy. It's not like one thing happening in a week. It's like multiple things happening, one after another after another, that are that are just amazingly heavy, and that's just in our lives personally around here. That's not even when you turn on the news and see what's going on with things around the world, but, but I know just in our family, since COVID uh, a couple of years ago came on the scene, we have, we have had two aunts that have died just in Marcy's family. This is just in Marcy's family. Two aunts, one uncle, and a cousin, unexpectedly, that all died. Uh, Diane, had, just last week, uh, we buried two of her family members, uh, and, uh, a brother and a sister that died in the same day. In the same day, they died within hours apart, unexpectedly. Uh, uh, we Caleb, we buried your baby uh, uh, just uh, not long ago. I mean, and and then uh, and then last night I get a call that a 31 year old man and I'm sitting in and I don't mean to be morbid, but I'm just using it for the message that I am sitting in an ER room with a mother over her dead son while the color is going out of his body and he is turning a gray and purple right before my eyes. And that's the world. That's where we live, folks. That, that, that's where we live. And folks, society in the last couple of years has, has uh, if we didn't think it before, uh, now death is on everybody's mind. If we didn't think it a long time ago, I think now we're seeing over the past couple of years, we, are, we, we have seen more and more death. And if we didn't have it on our minds before, we, we now it's hard for us to escape this uh, pervasive fear that we all have. Uh, when we come into this world that I don't know if, if we ever have been more aware of the frailty of human life than we are of right now where we're living at. Nobody in this room is guaranteed tomorrow. This is, a, this is as much for the young person in this room who thinks they got the world by the tail as the older person in this room. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And I want to talk to you today about being set free from the fear, the fear that plagues most of the people in this world more than anything. I'll tell you how I know it because I watched people panic like never before. They went and did things and put things in their bodies and did all kinds of things out of fear, put masks on, wouldn't go to visit their, their family members, locked themselves up into home the last couple of years, did all kinds of crazy things all in the name of being afraid. Most of all of death and dying. Some have not come back and set foot in a church to this very day. They're so still so scared of trying to save their own life. And I get it. 
I get, I get it somewhat. I get it because I can remember before 1994, I can remember Brad Lindsay. The biggest fear of my life was being abandoned. All of my life I was afraid from the time I came out of the womb of my father and my mother are going to die and leave me alone and how am I going to survive in this world. All of my life, third grade was the worst year of my life ever. I mean, I went through compulsion. I thought if I didn't make my circles on the page right, they were going to have a flat tire and never get home. I thought if I didn't use the right urinal that day, something bad was going to happen. If I didn't put my shoestrings in a straight line. I mean, the whole year of third grade was terror. Terror and fear in my life. I can remember going home every night of my life. It wasn't only the fear of my mom and dad leaving me and dying in this world and how would I feed myself and clothe myself and take care of myself. But then it was the fear of, of of something that's not right inside of me and I know there's a God and I know there's a hell and I don't want to die and go to hell and I can remember every night of my life going God, dear God don't let me die and go to hell and I'd go through the day and I'd do some things wrong and I remember going back that night and saying God don't let me die and go to hell I don't want to go to, I don't want to, go to hell and I can remember this terror and this fear that, for, that, that, that had a grip on my life until 1994 1994, when finally, finally, uh, all my life of living in this kind of fear just melted away and the peace of God came into my life. And I believe there's some here that live under that same type of fear. And I believe God wants to set you free. I believe there's some of you that don't have a, 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 I didn't know if you could know that you could know that you could know. I didn't know if you could lay your head on your pillow at night and never fear that, 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 that you were going to not be not go to hell. I didn't know that. I, I went to altars and prayed and I asked God to forgive me, but I'd get right back up that night and I'd mess up again and do something. And I didn't know if you could have just a surety, a surety that, that, that I've got the peace of God, that everything, that, that if I died today, if that would have been me instead of Jonathan, that I am going to heaven, man. And I'm going to tell you what, you can know. You can have a surety today. You can have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You can have the God of the universe come and take that fear away in an instant and put His, his confidence and His grace and His mercy and His power and, and transform the human heart in this place today. And so, so uh, freedom that comes from God into the human heart, that's what we're going to talk about. I want to talk to you about being set free, not from uh, being set free, not, uh, not just about death today, but being set free from the fear of death and a freedom that's going to come into your heart that where death actually no longer holds a sway over your life anymore. You're not afraid of dying and we are secure in the hands of Almighty God. So look at Hebrews 2, 9 with me if you got your Bibles and let's take a look at this. Here's what he says, the writer of Hebrews, but we see Jesus. Amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. 
For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you, and again I will put my I trust in him. And again, here am I, the children whom God has given. Inasmuch then as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus Christ, likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release, folks, release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to Bondage, man. This is some good news today. Did you see that? That 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 through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. My goodness, that is good news. Christ came and tasted death for every man so that we might be set free from a lifetime of bondage to the fear of what happens when we pass beyond this life. And if you're honest with yourself, we all think about death at times. If you're honest with yourself, we, we, we begin to wonder what happens when we die, especially when you're sitting there looking at, the death, uh, at a dead body on a gurney. You begin to think about what happens when we die. Where do we go? Where do we spend eternity? What What's next after we draw our last breath? And the Bible says who all their lifetime were subject to the bondage because of the fear of death. In other words, people are tied in their minds and their spirits to this inescapable fate. You're tied in your minds and in your spirit to the fact that you are going to die and that when you die, you wonder where you are going to spend eternity. Again, I remember every day of my life up until 1994 having this going on in my life. And I remember Hebrews 9.27, reading it and, and seeing it say, it is, a, it is appointed unto man to die, and after that, the judgment. After this physical body dies, the, the real eternal being, folks, when Jonathan breathed his last breath yesterday, that was just a shell. I heard his mom, I heard his aunt saying, that's just a shell. The real body is gone to be with the Lord. I heard them say that out of their own mouth. I heard them talk about things. When I get to heaven, we were going to dance at the wedding. We, had, we were practicing the dance this morning. We practiced the dance. The mother and the son danced this morning. And I didn't get to dance that dance with him. And she said, do you think God will let me sing the play, the song? I forgot what it was. What was the song? Do you, uh... She thought it was Marvin Gaye. She said, do you think God will let Marvin Gaye be played in heaven? I said, just maybe for you. Absolutely, he might do it. But I can tell you this. They'll be playing. When you step into that thing, she said, I'm going to dance with my son. Maybe he'll let me have that dance when I get there. And I'm telling you, folks, when you're sitting in that place, you're thinking that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment, that, that our physical body lays there. But the real eternal being, the real Jonathan, the real Brad, the real you, 
that we are going to go immediately, our spirit and soul, in the presence of Almighty God, where we're going to stand before the judge of the universe. We are going to stand before the judgment seat. Hear me, young people that are zoned out and you look like you don't care. God is going to stand you before Him one day. You're going to stand in the presence of God and you are going to look Him in the eye, the judge of all the universe. When you close your eyes and die, it's going to be the first thing you see is waking up in the presence of the King of Kings and you are going to stare at the face of God. (laughs) The judge. Your judge. Your judge. And every knee will bow before this God. And every tongue will confess. Every God mocker in here will bow. No, every teenager that's thinking, I can't wait till I get 18 and I can go off to college and I don't have to go to church again. One day, every God mocker in this room, you will bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every willful person, every unwillful person, you will stand in the presence of God. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for many in this room, it will be a joyful confession. It will be that you made a decision for Jesus Christ like I did in 94. You opened your heart unto Jesus Christ and it was the greatest decision. And when you leave this earth like I believe Jonathan did and you step into the presence of God and you see your maker... We were talking about a bear hug. He liked to give bear hugs. And his mama said, I bet the first thing he did was give Jesus the greatest bear hug in all the world. Now You might be so sanctimonious you don't think like that, but you lose a kid and you'll think like that. I'll let you go tell a mama that wants to say Jesus is bear hugging my son right now. You go tell that mama. He's not, oh, you're so high and sanctimonious that God, that those things don't happen. Or Marvin Gaye doesn't get, get played and we get to have our dance that we didn't have. You go tell her that. <laughs> so for those who have made a confession of joy, You'll stand before Jesus joyous. But for others in this room, it's going to be terror. It's going to be terror the moment you open your eyes and you recognize it's too late. The moment you open your eyes and you are in the presence of God and you realize that it was this side of eternity that you should have made a decision. You realized it was here and now that you had the choice. That it was this preacher screaming and spitting and yelling at you that was the one trying to bid you to come to Jesus Christ today while there's still time. While it's the day of salvation and not to wait another day but to come today into the presence of God so that one day when you face Him you don't walk in that place and terror, but you walk in that place in joy. And here are the two deepest fears of people on the face of the earth. You know what they are? I already told you one. Death. Anybody know the other one? It's what I'm doing right now, public speaking. And you say, well, those don't seem like they go together. Well, they rank death Steve, with public speaking. And the reason they rank death with public speaking is because that when many people stand up to public speak in front of people, they feel like they're going to be judged. 
And so they stand there and they feel like they're up here with all their inadequacies on display. They feel like they're going to be shamed and humiliated and laughed at and ridiculed and they're going to run off the stage. And so they feel that way and because that there's this deep-seated fear that they are going to be shamed and brought into a place of judgment. Uh, so to, in, in order to, to uh, avoid public speaking, they craft this false image of themselves. They begin to act like something they're not. They begin to put on fig leaves and they begin to put on a false front in hopes that no one will ever discover the disguise and it's all really to avoid being judged I've spent my half of my life doing that even here and you wouldn't even know it half my life I'm so worried about speaking up here about my own sermons that I use so many other people's sermons because I think they're so much better and I think if I bring the real Brad up here that you won't like it and so we fight these things man and we put on these false fronts, so I'd rather be Carter Conlon, or I'd rather be David Wilkerson, or I'd rather be somebody else, Billy Graham, or somebody else, because God forbid I, I bring just Brad Lindsay and what I am, because I know what I am. I know the little guy that was scared in third grade. I know the guy who was foreboding. I know my inadequacies. I know my shame. I know the thing, my failures. I know my deep-seated fears. And so we worry about being brought to shame, being brought to a place of judgment, and, and so we change ourselves. But how much more concern should we have to stand before the God of the universe and before the judge where we're each going to give an account and really be judged, where we're really going to stand and He's He's going to ask the question, what did you do, Raymond, with my son? I mean, we'll answer a lot of questions, you know, Raymond. But that's the foremost question. What did you do with my son? What did you do? What did you do with my son? I sent my son into the world to die on a cross. I sent my son to be bludgeoned for you. I sent my son to have a cat of nine tails ripping his back open. I sent my son into the world to die. I sent my son into the world not to taste death for you. I sent my son into the world and it was a death you deserved. It was a death I deserved. It was a death you deserved. But it was a death that we all deserved for the way that we live, for doing things our own way, which is called sin. The word we hate now in churches. And the Bible calls it sin, living your own way, doing your own thing, going against this book. And God will look us in the eyes one day and say, what did you do with my son? Let's put everything else away. I sent a Savior to you. I made a way for you to come into eternal life. I allowed Him to be falsely accused. I allowed Him to be beaten. I allowed Him to be whipped. I allowed Him to be scourged. I allowed Him to suffer indescribable pain. I, I put Him in the grave. He was raised again on the third day by the power of God from the death grave so that death would no longer have power over Him. And I promised to give you His life if you would come and receive His life. And it was through Him I promise to give you eternal life. I promise to forgive you of everything that you had ever done. I made a way because you were like a drowning man who needed a life ring and I threw the life ring to you, but you refused your own salvation. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
And many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, like Matthew 7. Hey, man, we sang great songs up here. We preached great sermons for you, didn't we? We were church every Sunday. We paid tithes. We did all these things. And he'll say, I prayed a prayer at the altar one time when I was young. Didn't that count? I got baptized in, in, in the creek down here. And my name was on the church roster. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Listen, we're the only thing. We're the only thing made in the image of God. We're the only thing that God made us so beautifully and amazing in, in His image that, that He gave us a conscience that, uh, that He placed inside of us. He created us for fellowship with Him. He gave us power to reason and think, unlike the animals, unlike the birds. Look, they just kill each other. Now that's what we do when we've been telling each other we're animals all our lives in school. But, 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 but we think we, we act like them now, but we're not. We're born in the image of God. We're precious. That's why I said abortion is so wrong. That's why treating each other the way we do is so wrong. We're cre- Even if they don't know God, they're created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. We don't treat human life and human beings that way. Amen? Amen. And He gave us the power unlike animals to reason and think and, 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 and certain things. And because of that, we have this God consciousness going on inside of us. Because of that, we have this thing of saying, one day when I die, something's going to happen. I'm going to stand before Almighty God and I'm going to stand before the judge of the universe and I'm going to have to give an account. But what we do is we try to push that out because if we can just get enough social media in our life, if we can just binge watch enough Netflix at night, if we can just go out and and party or do something to distract us, maybe we can stop thinking about it. Even getting married married and all these other things is kind of really a form of trying not to think about the fact that we're going to die one day. Having babies, we're trying, we're, those are good things, we should do those. But really we're trying to put off the fact that one day we're going to die. We're trying to live forever. Right? And we know we're headed to eternity to face a creator because God put that reasoning in us and he put that consciousness in it and we, inside of us. And, and, and so we know we're going to face the creator. I don't have to convince you of that. You, you know that deep inside. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior today, if you would just really turn off the noise in your life and really get alone and you would be like me as a child, you would have that going on inside of you, something unsettling in your heart that I have no peace with God, that there's something not right here and one day I'm going to leave this body and I'm going to face the creator of God and no disguise will work there I can put on good disguises here for you but I'll never be able to put a good disguise on there he's going to see right through this I remember before 1994 I was a good legalist I was good man I went to church I was in the Bible belt I was a great legalist Joe Man, you would have been one of the people I would have used. Thank God. Thank God I'm not like Joe, man. You know? I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I would have said, thank God. I, I just would have, I would have puffed myself up as being better than. Until one day said, wait, wait. The thing about you, Brad, is everybody on the face of the earth is like you. Seven billion, you're just like Joe. You're just like Hitler. You're like all the others. You come short of the glory of God. How about comparing yourself against me, Jesus says, and you'll find out you come way short of the glory of God and you need a Savior. 
No disguise will survive there. You can't disguise a sinful heart. You can put it, you can put a Bible on, you can put a suit coat on, you can do all of these things, but you can't, you can put your best clothes on, but you cannot disguise it in the presence of God. He's the one who has eyes like laser beams. He's the one who, who has a sword coming out of his mouth that he's going to smite the nations of the world. He can see right through you like Swiss cheese. I mean, he's going to see exactly what we are on that day. He's going to lay everything bare and you can't change it without any amount of human effort. The only thing that can change it is what happened to me in 1994 it's supernaturally an act of God's mercy it's called being born again by the spirit of God and I'm telling you while the spirit is knocking you better come and you better you better while he's drawing while he's striving with man respond to the call of the spirit of God amen, amen. <laughs> and so many we know will stand before God and taste the bitterness of death And they're going to know what it means to be eternally separated from God. The Bible says broad is the way. Broad is the way. And many there will be that find it. But narrow is the way. And straight is the gate that leads to eternal life. And few there will be that will find it. So I plead with you. This is a message today after something last night, man, of of watching something I didn't want to watch and seeing something, seeing the color and the life go out of a body of a 31-year-old man that the day before was strong as an ox. One week, Chief, hear me, hear me. You may be planning next week. How foolish. You may be planning next week to go to college. You may be planning next week to get married like he was next Saturday. The dress is hung up. The dance is being done. The songs are being picked out. The place is taken. The money's paid. And here we have a guy, but there's no groom. You don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know anymore in this world. And many will stand before and taste the bitterness of death and will stand before Him. And many in this room, sadly, will understand what it means to be separated from God all of eternity. Our minds cannot even fathom what eternity is like and how long that is. Away and apart from the presence of God. And that's why I brought this message this morning. Because I'm just a man that's desperate here this morning. And I don't care what I look like or sound like. And you can call me the long-winded preacher. And you can call me the screaming preacher. And I don't really care. I'm a man that's trying to stand within the gap. And trying to weep between the porch and the altar. And say, dear God, things are happening in this world like they've never happened before. Make yourself ready to meet your God. And so I plead with you, you cannot afford to get this wrong. I bet my life on it. I have bet my life since night. We were sitting in that yard last night by ourselves. And Marcia said, has it been worth it? We've spent our life here. I mean, that's what we were talking about. Has it been worth it? Our whole married life in this church. And I don't know. Sometimes I ask that question. God, has it been worth it? Has eternal things been done here? This is a waste, God. It's the biggest waste of my life. And I'm like, God, please, just eternity is a long time. I've staked everything in believing this book. 
I've, I've stake dragging my kids to church and, and preaching the gospel when I had no business making them go. I've drugged my wife when she's sick. I've used every vacation day I have to go on missions trips and places out of the country. I've, I've skirted vacations. I, I've come to a place where I'm tired and I have no more human strength. I'm 50 years old and I feel like I'm about 80 but <laughs> because I've gone seven days a week for no thinking and studying anymore, but you know what? But then I just got to know, man, I just got to know I'm going to preach this to the last breath in me because I, I banked my whole life on it. If it'll save one person from going to a blackness of hell and a dark eternity where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, if it'll rescue one child out of the flames of torment. This is why the cross is such wonderful news, because the Bible says that Christ was born, and it caused angels to bust through the canopy. I mean, they broke through the third veil, and they came through, just waiting, pressing in, just as this child is coming into the world, and they finally split through the veil, and they begin to sing unto man, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, goodwill can finally come to me and peace Brad Lindsay because of what is going on here I mean they can't stand it they're just looking down on creation they're looking folks that mama wasn't the first one to bury a child Adam's mama was the first one now, Adam's wife was the first one to bury a child as all of a sudden she stands over two brothers not long after the fall of man who have hit each other and killed each other the, the immoral one killing the moral one and the righteous one and now a mother with Weeping for the first time, holding her gray, ash-colored, lifeless body, pale body, at that, at that cemetery and lowering him down into the grave, folks, because of the results of sin. And now we've got these angels who have watched humanity practically reject God and destroy themselves. And now they're excited because God is leaving heaven. And now they're pressing upon the canopy and they're just waiting to break out and forth in praise and sing glory to God mankind do you not see what has come the God of the universe has come to bring you salvation to bring you goodwill and peace towards men and he desires to show you mercy and grace. And up to this point, the devil had you tied up. Up to this point, the devil had you in his back pocket. Up to this point, if you were not a believer in Christ, you were tied up. And you're tied up today if you're not a believer in Christ. The devil has you right where he wants you. And I want you to seek that in your heart. This is not a game, as I said. He had, a, he had humanity sewn up until Jesus came and tasted death for us. Hallelujah. And an innocent man, and I'm about to close, took our sentence of death upon himself. And he did it willingly so that not one of us in this room would have to taste it. He did it willingly, folks. He, he, he desired to forgive you. He desired to make a way for you and to deliver you from the fear of death and the fear of torment. That's why the last words on the cross is, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. The right of the devil to you is finished. The cause, the right of the cause of fear over your life. Brad Lindsay, the right of the cause to make you fear like a young little boy every day that you're going to die and go to hell because of Christ coming now. That can be abolished if you'll put your faith and trust in Him. If you'll believe in what He said He would do. If you believe in the promise of God. If you repent of your sins and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, He will forgive you and give you 
give you everlasting peace, everlasting joy, and He will give you eternal life. It is finished. It is finished. You don't have to fear dying anymore. You don't have to fear dying anymore. You don't have to fear going to hell anymore. Jesus Christ has come. And He said, when I came, it is finished. I have justified you. And He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to, he, he made you righteous. I was going to preach on by grace through faith because often what we do is we separate those and we have churches that just preach grace or they just preach faith by works. And what Paul did was he joined those two together because they cannot be separated and you are saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And we'll talk about that later at another time. But, but, but when we opened our hearts to Him, we became His people. And I still, it's taken me a long time because I am a chop wood for the Father guy. For years I've tormented myself afterwards with I've still got to do something to make up for what I did. Especially if I failed last week. Do you know I'm just as righteous in 1994 as I am today? Do you know the, the moment that I prayed and He imputed His righteousness to me, even though I've grown from image to image and glory to glory by the Spirit of God through faith, do you know that I'm no more, I'm no more righteous today because of that than I was then? I'm just as righteous, folks. He justified me. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 2, 8 says, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Ephesians 4 and 8 says, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What he's saying there is he took your captivity captive and mine, and he told us that we could be forgiven. He took our captivity captive and told you you could be forgiven. He gave gifts unto you. He gave the whole Holy Spirit unto you. He filled you with His life and your power so that you could go free and become new creations in Jesus Christ. Romans 8 11 says, if, but if by the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead who dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give you life and quicken your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus today, He will change you from the inside out. <laughs> He'll change you. If God says, why should I let you in, Joe? What's your answer going to be? It should be because your son died for me. In 1994, Jesus, your son died for me. In 1994, I received it. God, you forgave my sins. In 1994, my old nature died. And I don't know how, I can't explain it, but I, when I went to bed and I woke up, I was a new creation. I mean, the old desires changed, and now the new ones. I was taking my rock CDs, and man, I was throwing them into dumpsters. I was burning them. I was, was I not, Marcy? Things I'd taken that I thought were, were I should get from the place where I worked, I just thought, well, that pen's mine, or that notebook's mine, or that those band-aids in the closet, or those 
drugs in the drug closet are mine. And guess what? I took a little thing and I was so embarrassed and I had to take them back and I put them all back on the shelves and I'm writing letters to people I'd taken things from and done. I'm writing letters to people that I'd, I'd held unforgiveness towards. And then, that was not Brad Lindsay. There was something going on inside of me that had changed me and that had caused me to say, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I got to do what God says. And it was just him supernaturally working in my life. He took captivity captive. He gave gifts unto me. There was an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And the greatest thing that I could say is I'm a child of God. Finally, I'm not just a child of Ray. Finally, I could lay my pillow at night and say, I'm a child of God. And I'm not going to die tonight and go to hell. Because I've been taken from death unto life. And He has saved me. And He has given me eternal life. And I'm here to tell you I felt different inside. I opened my heart to the forgiveness of God. And folks, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, then He will also quicken your mortal bodies. And He will raise it from death unto life. And He will set you free from the fear of death. And this is where I live today. And this is where you can live today. And let me tell you, I can honestly say here, no lie, I'm not afraid to to die. I sat there and touched that body last night. I sat there and whispered in his ear. I sat there and looked at him somewhat with an envy because he beat me there. I'm not afraid to die because my trust is completely in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I believe that whenever I draw my last breath, I will pass from death unto life. And until that day comes, because I got this much invested so far, I'm going the distance. And I, until the day that I die, I'll fight for your souls. And I'll fight for Moldova's souls. And I'll fight for anyone else who will let me, their souls. Because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And folks, the only guarantee we have is eternal life. And it's not a, for I delivered unto you of first importance. That which I also received. How Jesus the same night was buried. He died according to the scriptures. He was buried and placed into a, a, a borrowed tomb. And then he rose from the dead on the third day triumphantly for our salvation. And folks, I'm telling you, we have the guarantee of eternal life. If you'll place your, 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 yourself completely on the mercy of Jesus Christ. And what I've just described happened to me over my life can happen to you. He brought me into a right relationship. The Holy Spirit came in. He dwelled inside this physical body. And He transformed my life. And He can do that to you today as well. It can be yours. Corinthians 15 says that death through Christ was swallowed up in victory. The grave has no victory. Death has no more sting. Christ has delivered you from the power of death. And that's what the cross and the resurrection is all about. And I'm going to pray and then here's what you can do. We're going to play one song, and here's what you can do. You can admit today if you're living apart from God, and you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be your salvation and to be the, the fact that He can give you new life and new hope and new joy. And if you hate the old life and what you've become, like I did in 1994, if you looked at the man and finally realized that I wasn't uh, just kind of not like Joe, I was worse than Joe. 
Because my sin was taking me so far down. And I believed that Jesus Christ had the power to do something and he took my place. And then you can confess him as Lord and Savior. And I'm not talking about just kind of Jesus will you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. No, I'm talking about like we were shouting Jesus' name earlier. Jesus! Will you be my Lord and will you be my Savior? Come into my life and change me and save me. Like a desperate man, grab hold of the life raft and receive him. So, speak loud to receive him into your heart today. We're going we're gonna to close and dismiss it. If you need prayer today, not even for salvation and eternal life, but you need prayer for anything, healing, whatever. God's here. Depression, loneliness, whatever you need. We'd love to pray with you or you can find somebody next to you. This is obvious. We have a lot of great believers in this church who would love to, who, who, have, who can do better. Cole preached a sermon last night to the youth that I just want to retire and step down from the pulpit. It was so unbelievable. You are amazing witnesses for Christ. Keep being that. But if there's somebody here and you're not right with God, or somebody online and you're not right with God, and you fear death, you fear dying, you don't even want to go to a funeral home because you don't want to look at death. You, you, you can't even stare it in the face because you're so afraid of it. God wants to take that away from you today. He wants you to be able to look it in the face and say, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, grave, where's your sting? It's been swallowed up. That's what I was thinking last night. This man's, this man, this man's living. This man's living. You want to talk about Joel say, living your best life now, which is a laugh at? He's now living his best life now. He's living it. And you can live it. Amen. You can, you can have eternal life. So, Father, we just love you today, God, and we thank you, Father. I feel like I've delivered my soul, Lord, anyway. And Father, not here to scare somebody, but it ought to be a scary thing, God, to fall into the hands of God without, without, without Lord, we come into this world an enemy of yours. We've rejected you. We've sinned. We've sinned away your grace. We come into this world and with enmity in our hearts towards the living God. An enmity so great that God, when you came, we grabbed you by our hands, the very hands that you created, and we pulverized you on a tree. We took, it, we took the God of the universe and we ripped him to shreds. And, and, and Father, fortunately you said nobody took my life, I willingly laid it down. But God, the very hands you created were tools that God actually betrayed you and nailed you to a tree. And Father, we're not even smart enough to recognize the need for our own salvation. And so we began to craft all kinds of, uh, of plans and streams and strategies to get back to God through religion, through all kinds of other ways, God. But there's only one way to you, and you made that clear, and you made that exclusive in the Scriptures. You said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so Father, those are your words. And God, you desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You desire everyone to know that way and to receive that way and to believe upon that way, to trust in, to rely upon, to fully believe in. And when we do that, God, by grace, by this unmerited favor, God, through faith, God, you miraculously, supernaturally save and do something in our lives, God. Oh, God, it's a miraculous thing. 
And Father, we no longer are enemies of yours, but we become your children. Jesus took the wrath. Jesus took the punishment. Jesus took the sin and, and the death that I deserved so that I could have eternal life and pass from death unto life. So God, if there's somebody in this room today, God, I just pray that they'll have the courage and the strength just to come forward, God, and to just, uh, and to just, just, just to cry out to you, God. It's not a prayer we pray or anything else. It's receiving the living God into our life and believing on him and beginning a relationship with him. And God, he wants that relationship with everybody in this room. And it's made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, like Paul, will say that's the most important thing. Of first importance, you must know and believe that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Believe on this. Trust in it. Rely on it. Receive it into your heart by faith. And accept God into your life.